Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. On today's episode, we have Lindsay Menard Freeman joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. Lindsay is the founder and CEO of the Torchlight Collective. She is an entrepreneur, a human rights activist, and advocate, specifically focusing on gender equality and social justice movements and youth. She's a feminist and a new mom to her baby boy, Mac. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. We're thrilled that you're here with us today. You are an activist and an advocate. Um, What inspired your activism? Well, I would say my mother is an activist and an advocate. She worked in the um, domestic violence space for her entire career. And so I was always around her incredible uh, network of women working to support other women and prevent violence. Um, and so I, it was sort of always in, it was sort of water to the fish for me for most of my growing up. And then, you know, in, in college, I was really involved in some reproductive rights and justice work. Um, that's, you know, sort of got me my first internship and then got me interested in grad school and then got me interested in traveling and working globally. And so I would say it sort of snowballed from how my mother took me to take back the night marches and brought me with her to work and to conferences and just really kind of seeing, again, just really powerful, amazing activist women doing their work. Is there a specific moment that you remember as a child that maybe solidified, like, this is something I want to do when I grow up? You know, my mom brought me to Beijing with her. You know, that's not a regular thing that just happens. You know, I was 11 at the time. This is from the Beijing conference on women in 1995. This is, you know, Hillary Rodham Clinton saying, uh, you know, women's rights are human rights, human rights are women's rights. And... I I, w- I didn't know at the time how relevant that space would be to the future of my work. And so I would say that was probably a pivotal moment. After that, I think, you know, it shaped the studies that I did in college. You know, it definitely shaped the, you know, the graduate studies that I did in human rights studies um, and sort of, I would say, put my career on a trajectory of activism and advocacy. And, you know, I've worked for nonprofits since then, you know, since graduating from my master's and, and Torchlight's really founded on the idea that we can do good consulting work on a range of different issues for a range of different clients with a range of different skills and have a broader kind of collective impact. So I would say the Beijing conference was probably a starting point and then it's sort of evolved um, very organically. Would you tell us what 
the Torchlight Collective actually is and what the Torchlight Collective does? The Torchlight Collective is a, is a consulting group. Um, it's basically a platform for human rights consultants who are working on a range of mostly global health issues, but other issues as well, um, to kind of come together to amplify our impact and to work together and, and sort of make the, the consulting process a bit easier um, on, on all of us and sort of work in teams and collaborate. And there's about 15 of us right now, but we're actually, we're just, we just recruited. So we're about to grow at this interesting moment in our um, organizational life cycle where we're going from a baby business to an adolescent business, I would say, and, and really kind of, um, yeah, seeing where that takes us. So what did you learn about showing up in a space where you're not an expert, but where you really want to help? That's a really good question. If it's one thing that you're able to do, then you should do that with your full intentionality and energy. And you'll feel like you need to do 80 things, but like do one thing. And, you know, and I think part of it is that there are so many things to do. There's so much to do. And it's not, it's, it's everything from giving money to a bail fund all the way up to like yelling at all the corporations that, you know, are ruining the earth and that are exploiting labor. It felt for me anyway, like some serious whiplash between the macro and the micro. And I was just like, ran the risk of being rendered completely useless. Right. And I just had to say, no, do the one thing, like read the book, have the conversation, give the money, sign the petition, you know, I wasn't in a position to go protest at the time that, you know, there was, you know, around George Floyd's death in particular. And that was difficult for me because I typically that's how I show up. It was mostly like having conversations with myself about, you know, what it even means to show up at all. And that, again, no matter what, you should always show up, even if it's incomplete and imperfect and, you know, and kind of, I mean, essentially kind of saying like, you know, get over yourself. It's not about you. You you are showing up. So it is about you. But like, let's figure out how to work the self-talk about what it means to be enough and, and still just show up and do the work. It's very interesting to me that what many of us do as women is look at other women and say, how does she do that? without realizing that that woman could be looking at you and asking the same question because there's the conversation that's happening in our heads about everything we should be doing. And then there's what other people actually see us doing. There's so many aspects of your identity. So the thing I've been, I'm in this amazing um, women's entrepreneur group in Nashville called Brain Trust. And I feel like, and we meet each month for three hours and I feel like my share each time is just about how, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my identities as sort of like my top three really are mom, business owner and activist advocate. And then there's like human body. Then there's like, okay, what does it mean to sleep enough? What does it mean to drink enough water? Like I literally have these checklists that I've made for myself for each day that are like, 
eat your oatmeal, (laughs) drink your coffee. (laughs) And and I'm someone who really, I care about self-care. Like it's something that I felt like I was decent at, not before I had kids, but like, I just, I feel like generally it's how I, you know, I think it's important. It just, it's, it's hard to like find space for everything. And this, and, and, and it's, I, I just, I feel like, you know, the thing that's going to get compromised is my health and well-being, my alone time. That's a constant exercise, I think, for a lot of women. And I think it's, it can probably be classified as like a default for a lot of people. Okay, well, the first thing to go is how I take care of myself. It's like, I get it. We get it. But it's like, what does it mean to actually be able to carve out that space? So what has self-care looked like for you in this season? Well, I, there's two things. My, my parents are like 100% those grandparents. I never thought they would be these people, but they're just like, when can, we're here, we're ready. We're ready to come down. We got to see the baby. Like, love you. You're great. We're here to see the baby, you know? So when my parents are here, uh, my dad's an amazing cook. So he always sort of like make sure that I'm fed while they're here, but the self-care while they have been, when, when they visit, it's almost like there's two categories of self-care when my parents visit. And when it's just me, when my parents visit, it's literally in the morning, my mom's a morning person. So she'll come just like, okay, hand me that baby. It'll be like seven o'clock. And she's like, you go back to sleep. And I just like snooze by myself for a little bit extra. Um, that that's little bits of sleep has been pretty crucial self-care territory. I'm a night owl. My whole team, if anyone on my team is listening to this podcast, they'll laugh because they just get emails from me at 3 a.m. It's just like the way it's always been. It's, it's, I just, I, there's some, it's like my witching hour, you know, like from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. I wish I was like able to be like, <laughs> not have to be on 8 a.m. calls, you know? So, but, but you're not expecting care. people to respond to you. No, God, no, God, no. Okay. Just, no, no, just no, no, no. Make sure they, they hear. <laughs> they know, they know. <laughs> like, sorry about me. <laughs> Emailing them like, sorry. It's 3 a.m. Don't worry. Um, well, which actually in some cases though, ends up working for us because everyone's in different time zones. But anyway, they're all just, I usually get like, eye roll emails back. Like, why are you emailing? Here's the thing you need. Like the way that that has shown up as self-care <laughs> to close that loop. Um, is that I'll put Mac to sleep at, you know, nine or 10 and then it'll be like quiet in my house and I'll like watch my dumb show that I want to watch in complete silence and like drink tea and just like, you know, it feels close enough to my like night owl moment, you know, cause I, I, some of those nights I'm just so tired that I could just fall asleep and I'm like, I need a minute to unwind and just like chill sort of separate my like mom identity from my like human body identity for and sometimes it means I'll take a bath sometimes there's all sorts of possibilities are endless if I you know have the energy sometimes it means I'm cooking at like 11 (laughs) doesn't make sense but it's definitely hard but it's possible how can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power one thing that I'm having to reflect on as a parent now, seeing how my parents did this when I was little, there was never a single word of, you can't do that. Girls don't do that. You're, you can't figure that out. Just, you know, there was always this appreciation for my creativity 
And I think that just meant that I could really, you know, take risks and figure out who my authentic self even is. Like I had space to really explore. And so I don't know. I just, I think that if there's anyone listening who knows girls, you know, who like either has girls in their family, you know, in any capacity, just, you know, really encouraging that, that space and that exploration and just saying like, you are unlimited. You can do anything you put your mind to, you know, starting a business is really risky. I had no business experience when I started Torchlight and I was able to show up to that experience saying like, let's try it. And that really comes from having decades of good messaging around, like you can figure this out. And I, I'm really grateful for that. And I think that that made a huge difference. Encourage girls is what I would say. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for sharing your story with us. And to our listeners, thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. Thank you. This is great. I am adding my heartfelt thanks as well to you, Lindsay. There are so many pieces of great advice. I especially love the suggestion that we show up even if it is incomplete and imperfect, because everyone is incomplete and imperfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if we can accept ourselves as we are, we can show up um, in a very different and very powerful way. So that, I love that advice. And Yodit, thank you so much. I am always so happy to be talking with you. And this time together with both of you has just been wonderful. Thank you. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino. And Yodit Kifle-Smith, signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the power of stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.